You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. everyone and welcome to the Mission Matters podcast. Today we are going to learn about rebuilding organizational cohesion and loyalty with Jenna Dillon. Jenna is the CEO and founder, lead trainer and executive coach with Executive Performance Institute for Coaching, Epic. Jenna works with high-performing individuals and top-tier organizations helping accomplished and aspiring leaders achieve greater levels of fulfillment and success in their lives, careers within their organizational cultures, and industry influencers. Jenna is one who practices what she promotes. Jenna has been mentored by very diverse, highly successful entrepreneurs and has trained and cultivated expertise in proven professional development programs. We are so excited to have Jenna here because she is not only committed to elevating the performance outcomes of her clients, but also raising the standards within the executive coaching industry through her organization, Executive Performance Institute for Coaching Epic. Thank you so much for being here, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me, Margarita. It's a pleasure. I'm so looking forward to this. So our topic today, of course, I feel like we could have a podcast just on organizational cohesion loyalty because there's no shortage of information to talk about. But today we're going to talk about rebuilding organizational cohesion loyalty because enhancing company culture is becoming an ever-increasing priority while industries struggle to engage and retain staff. So we have some questions for you today to help our listeners. Beautiful. Um, So let's get to it. Let's pretend we are in a company and there have been a lot of ups and downs in the past few years from the pandemic. Where would we start to rebuild organizational cohesion and loyalty? Like, where do we begin? Yeah, I I think for sure, regardless, I I would always say to the top leaders of an organization, if you can get a third party expert to help you get to the root cause of what the people in your organization are most influenced by, do that. But ultimately, you want to be asking yourself, what are the people in our company most influenced by? And the you'll start high level, and then you'll get more in the micro of specifics, right? I can tell you off the bat, like if we're going to get super high level, the two main things that most people are influenced by is information which is a very objective thing, right? Information that they receive will inform them around the environment and the situation that they are in. And then the second thing that they're most influenced by is social norms. So being able to understand putting the leaders, putting themselves in the employee's shoes, what information do they have? What information don't they have? And what are the social norms that the company has created, whether intentionally or not, to know what's the experience they have had and that you want them to have. So that's at least a place to start. As you said, I will agree. We could talk for a whole year with different episodes in a podcast around this very thing, but that's at least where we would get started. Now, information, that's um, foundational, and that's important for trust, as well as when we think about the psychology of trust and power dynamics. So Starts with information. What are some common barriers to the ability for people to collaborate? 
Yeah, there. I actually I created an alliteration of C's, of like words that start with C, so that it can be more easily remembered. Um, so there's a few that that I have at least put together for alliteration. So confusion, of course, is very daunting and doesn't promote compromise or collaboration. Um, and so being able to look at going back to that social norm and information is is there any kind of information that they're confused by or are they questioning or unfamiliar and thus uncomfortable with any kind of part of the environment of what they're experiencing, whether it's, you know, everyone was putting a lot of question marks in their head with COVID and what does it mean for the company? What does it mean for their job? What does it mean for their environment with their kids in school or not school, et cetera, right? So confusion is a big one. Um, Another thing that is a barrier I'd say to collaboration would be when the connection that they have with the people they work with is confined. So confined connection. Uh, People are, even if we're introverted, people are wired to connect with other people. We do better together. It takes a village, right? That's a express expression we hear often. So even if people get fueled, the introverts out there get fueled being by themselves, ultimately we do better working together and being around each other. We want to have that connection. So if we're not in sight, visual sight of somebody, literally, then it can be out of mind. It's that out of sight, out of mind. So that's a barrier. And then the two others, um, I would say a simple thing is looking at the the social norms and information around, are, is there things that are clashing or that are contradicting? Um, because clashing and contradicting can be really difficult to build trust that way, right? (laughs) So if there's dueling uh, commitments or priorities that there's mixed messaging, or like I said, it's not quite fitting well together because it's clashing or contradicting itself, employees are going to tilt their head sideways and start to be a little resistant or or more distant per se, that that you won't have as much either buy-in, you won't have as much loyalty or trust from them, et cetera. The fourth thing I would say is to cease their control. What do I mean by that? Well, you don't want to micromanage and try to over control your people, right? They're valuable, they're adults, and you want them to have agency or you want them to be able to speak to what they care about and their opinion and that it matters. So uh, making sure that you don't have favoritism. We mentioned earlier around like power dynamics or just dynamics in general, like watch how you are creating dynamics in your work environment. Um, If you are communicating in a way where you are the position of power and people are underneath you, um, be really careful of that. Like, is it, is it really necessary Um, or rather what, what kinds of settings or meetings is that appropriate for? And where is it more important and helpful and appropriate to have people be on the same line or the same page where everyone has a say, everyone gets to be able to voice their opinion or voice what they're thinking or feeling, brainstorming, et cetera, right? Um, So being able to cease control will help promote more collaboration and compromise. No, I love this. It is so helpful because when we think about it, I know it's common sense that when people are confused, they're probably not going to make the best decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think is important Uh, You know, I'm an introvert. I'm an INFJ. It doesn't mean I don't like people and I don't want to work with people. It just means sometimes I need time with myself to recharge, right? 
I'm happy reading a book. I'm happy drinking a latte. It doesn't mean I don't want to talk to people. Um, I love these Ds. We have confusion, connected connections, clashing, contradictions, and then control. Trust is very foundational. And I'm just going to share something before I ask you the question. So um, in uh, December 2019, I know that's a long time ago, cruising into January 2020, my oldest daughter was very sick. Mm. Um, She's a young professional. She had a really high fever and was in bed for three days. Her boss made her go into work. And of course, at that time, my daughter was 23. She went into work. She's a recent college grad. When she went to work, the boss looked at her and said, I guess you really are sick. Of course, I'm her mom. And I was like, yeah, of course she's sick. And then my daughter said, mommy, I don't think I can take the train home. Can you come pick me up? So I drove from Maryland to Alexandria to pick her up and we got the doctor appointments. There's three locations. I told the doctor any location at that time. Doctor said, it's a virus. She might've had COVID before we knew COVID. Mm -hmm. And I'm sharing that example because let's talk about trust. Her boss should have trusted that she really was sick Mm -hmm. um, based on the quality of work she had done the previous six months. So this is a very common topic. Um, Can you talk about the different levels of trust? And based on that quick story that I shared you, what type of trust was her boss lacking? Yeah, I love that example. So we'll start off with a basic level of trust is that somebody is a good person. (laughs) You trust that they're moral. They're not going to do something out of whack (laughs) that, you know, isn't in humanity's best interest. Um, and, and in terms of a work environment, like you build trust that, oh, they can do their job, right? Just like, okay, I'm going to trust you, Margarita, to do your job and you'll trust me to do my job and we'll go on our merry way if we were working together, right? Uh, then there's another layer of trust where not just do we trust that they're going to do their job well, but that they're going to be truthful both for their own, like, and this is, this is where we get into a term called psychological safety. They're going to be truthful and voice their opinion, even if it feels uncomfortable, if they feel like uh, it's not what someone might expect them to say, anything like that, where they are voicing their opinion, they are being honest and truthful, and they don't feel that they are going to be reprimanded for doing so. That's psychological safety. They trust that the person they're being honest with is not going to reprimand them, but in fact, value them more for being honest or sharing their opinion, or it might be even trying a new thing out with how to get a project done, for example. And regardless if that opinion or that we'll say experiment with a project, whatever it is, if it didn't work based on results, that that though okay like we'll try again it doesn't matter as much as they value the fact that they did it um and that's the organization valuing them right so that's psychological safety and that's a deeper level of trust so um in this case with this example it sounds like just from what you've told me that the boss didn't have psychological safety that your daughter was being honest to the point where she had to come into the office to kind of prove it 
to him. And that then makes me think, gosh, like that wouldn't help your daughter have psychological safety, that kind of trust with her boss, right? Because of him choosing to say, and then do what he did in that scenario. So does that make sense? It does. And that was perfect. And I'm here to tell you that I told her that it is okay to quit and move on. And March 6, 2020, she quit. We know what happened the following week. And she did secure employment. So it's like, there's only so much one can take. It has to be winding down. If there were three main things for leaders to consider applying to build cohesion and loyalty, what would those be? So to be quite simple, I would say humanize yourself, especially if you're a leader, like people want to be able to relate to you and not have this idea that you're all pinned up and proper and just a little perfect thing because there's no, there's no such thing as perfect, right? So you want to humanize yourself and humanize your people, put yourself in their shoes and have use some of your communication styles and communication to have empathy or compassion for what they may or what you do know are experiencing. Um, The second I would say is be able to find not just common ground, but common values, because what's more important in a work situation, of of course, people want to be liked, but what's more important in a work situation is that they're respected and valued. And so finding common values will be really a key to having that respect and working well together. So you don't have to like each other, but you do have to respect each other, right? So being able to ask questions to the people that you're working with to really really truly have a curiosity of what do they ultimately value and where do you find those common values? And then the third, I would say, I mean, to what we were just talking about is be willing to develop trust and not just first step of trust of relying on people are going to rely on each other to do their job. But if you can build psychological safety in your workforce, then people are going to have feel so much more a part of the team and that they have they're an asset, that they have agency, that they can be a part of something that really matters and that they are can, you know, see their value and their worth and being a part of team of people that they respect. I mean, that just ultimately, like we uh, executive coaches can find the data of how that actually proves to give you exponential results compared to incremental when that isn't being focused on. So yeah, I would say humanize yourself and your people find common values and be willing to develop trust, specifically this deeper level of trust, psychological safety. Well, thank you so much, Jenna. I love what you're saying about creating exponential epic results as opposed to incremental results. So where can people learn more about you and your work? So here's time for you to share your websites and social media handles. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So my company website is executive performance institute for coaching.com. So you can find my company and myself on LinkedIn. So if, if you look up my name, Jenna Dillon, I'll, you'll find me there. If you want to look at my website for LinkedIn, it's linkedin.com slash I N slash Jenna K for Kimberly. That's my middle name, Dylan. Um, and then we do have an Instagram account, but I actually find that with specific questions, if people want to ask me about this topic, we'll have a better likelihood of getting those questions addressed through my Instagram handle, which is my first initial J and then Kim for Kimberly, K-I-M as in Mary, and my last name, D-I-L-L-O-N. So J Kim Dillon is my handle on Instagram. So those, I would say those two platforms and then the website 
are the best ways to reach out. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the conversation and your questions and and even sharing your story about your daughter. So this is wonderful. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.